You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. All my life, you know, I've been like, let's get to Easter. Let's get to Resurrection Sunday. But as I've grown and matured in the Word, I've learned that the process is so important before we get to that. There's so many elements in the week leading up that I don't want to miss it. So today... We kick off this in Mark 11. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 11. We're going to bring some context in there. I'm going to share some things, maybe some new things with you today. And then, of course, we're going to lead you to the ultimate part of this service. I'm just the warm-up act to the baptism that's getting ready to happen here in a few moments. Verse 11, Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. When they went away and found the colt tied at a door outside in the street, they untied it. And some of those standing there said to him, what are you doing untying this colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let him go. Pause for a moment. Jesus spoke a word and prepared the colt and the people to give him what he was already asking for. I don't know if you just just give away colts, just give away cars. I mean, the greatest tagline, the master told us, oh, okay, just take it. I mean, he prepared everything. That's how intentional this was. And when they had brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their coats on the floor, on the road, and also spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And as he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Tonight I want to talk to you about, the title is called, He's Not Who You Thought He Was. He's not who you thought he was. He's not who you thought, as soon as I say this, I think about my sister-in-law who lived with us for a time period. I've asked her if I could share these stories because they're going to be a little personal here. But Leanne and I had just the unbelievable blessing to meet each other in youth group and and grow up and, and fall in love at a young age. So we bypassed a lot of heartache. But for those of you that had to do online dating... And nobody's laughing because nobody wants to admit it. <laughs> Tina, you found somebody online dating. There you go. Come on, give them glory. Shout of praise. There you go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Those of you that have never experienced it, I got to experience it through my sister-in-laws and my brother. Now, here's the interesting thing about it is this, he's not who you thought he was, is a real true reaction in the dating life. My sister-in-law would come home. We'd stay up waiting for her, you know, make sure she got home in time. Everything was good. I felt like I was a a parent of a grown adult. What did you do? You didn't kiss on the first date, did you? You know, checking in, making sure she lived pure. And the reality is she would come back from these gatherings, these dates, and, and, and the stories that she told, she told us this one story. She came in, and the guy was already seated at the bar eating. Now, tell me that's not crazy. Already setting a bad tone. Clearly not raised by an Italian mom who would have slapped him silly. 
And so she just kind of, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Get to know one another. And so she sat up there, and they, and they talked. And as he went to the bathroom, hopped, I, I say hopped off the stool because he was much shorter than his profile picture, had told him he was. Then when the waitress came to kind of settle up the bill, the dude looked at my sister-in-law like, what do you want to do? And she had to pay. That's just one story. You, oh, she pay, oh, come on now, girlfriend. She said, you're on your own. She told him. There you go. Another story, she said she was actually meeting with someone, and in the dialogue conversation, my sister-in-law, the, the Sherlock Holmes that she was, started to surmise that this dude was married. So she said, excuse me, hold on, are you married? He said, it's just the paper. He's not, turn to somebody and say, he's not who you thought he was. Just tell somebody right now. He's not. Now, this is the same thing we did to Jesus. Because if we study the word and we really read the story of Holy Week, people wanted him to be something that he did not come to be. Palm Sunday. Let me give you a little timeline here. It might blow your minds a little bit, but I've been doing some study, listening to different sources and people that understand the, the chronological order of Holy Week. First of all, we know Saturday, through the Bible and through historians, they believe that Jesus arrived into Bethany. This is where he hung with his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Remember Lazarus? This is pre-risen Lazarus, or post-risen Lazarus. Can you imagine being Lazarus? Like, hey, man, I'm back. You know what I mean? <laughs> Guess who's back? I am. <laughs> I'm back. So here's Lazarus back, and Saturday he's spending time with them. We know that Jesus had a, a real affection for this family, loved them dearly. On Sunday, John 12, you can read this, a large number of people came to see Jesus and Lazarus. And listen to this, the chief priests are trying to kill Lazarus again. They want to shut him down. He's the ultimate testimony, a living, breathing testimony of Jesus' divinity, and they want to shut him down to quiet him down. I think it's a little too late for that. Now, here's where it gets a little weird because I said Sunday. Monday, Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Now, what are you saying, Pastor Mark? Are you saying that it's Palm Monday? I am saying that. Now, let me explain why. This is where you got to go with me because some of you are like, I'm going to blow your whole mind now. Here we go. Now, follow me. This is what some people believe, and I, I'm kind of doing the research, presenting it to you to actually say, is this what I believe? Supporters of this view of Palm Monday appeal to Exodus 12.3 that says the Passover lamb was selected on the 10th of Nisan or Nisan. According to, according to this, this is corresponding to the day Jesus entered into Jerusalem, presenting himself as Israel's king. They also appeal to John 18, 28, 19, 14, and Numbers 28, 16 through 17, which states that Jesus rides into town, and this is the 10th of Nisan, which is actually when you present the slain lamb for slaughter on Passover week. So, if we look at this and we present it this way, I'm not trying to ruin your, because some of you is like, I thought this was Palm Sunday. Regardless, bear with me here. If Jesus came on the 10th of Nisan, that means that he was the actual lamb to be slaughtered on Passover week, riding into the city. Do you see how intentional Jesus is? Let's keep going. Tuesday. 
He cleanses the temple, and he cursed the fig tree. Wednesday. Now, some of you say, well, well why, why, why are you saying this? Because in Scripture, as historians have been going through it, Wednesday is the only undocumented day where Jesus did nothing according to the word. So what they said was, let's move it up a day because this fits the timeline. So now every day is documented when you move Palm Sunday to Palm Monday. Now, again, just presenting it to you, do with it whatever you wish. Wednesday, he enters into controversy with the leaders of Israel. He talks about the second coming, Matthew 24. Judas plans his betrayal on Wednesday. On Thursday, the disciples find a place for Passover. Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's arrested and tried, and they have their first, or I should say their last supper. Friday, he's crucified. Saturday, he's in the grave. And Sunday, he's risen. Quite an epic week. Whether you ascribe to Palm Sunday or Palm Monday, however it lands, Jesus is the lamb that was slain for Passover. He's the spotless lamb. He's the lamb without blemish. He's the lamb that is pure and holy. He was slaughtered for our sins, not for his, because he had no sins. I'm getting ready to preach. I got to keep going. Passover week. Historians believe that over 2 million people would have been in Jerusalem at this time. People from all over, every race, creed, color, age group came to Jerusalem for Passover week. Over 2 million people. Some people estimate that over, there would have been hundreds of thousands of people waiting for Jesus to ride in. This wasn't just a small gathering. So when they said, Hosanna, it shook the ground. Hundreds of thousands of people. Why is this getting people so excited? Well, let me give you some examples of why. Number one, Lazarus was being, he rose from the dead and is connected to Jesus. Who else rose another person from the dead? We know Lazarus, he's famous, and here's the guy that did it. It was organized because there was a great fascination with this man called Jesus. This man exuded something hopeful, different. The hatred for the Roman soldiers was at an all-time high. Just to remind you, they were in opposition. They were, they were being occupied. Rome took over. And the Jews were like, we got to break free. This could be the guy. And here's the deal. The donkey that he rode in, the colt that he rode on, this just fueled everything because it just lined up with prophecy. They knew the word. They knew, oh, this is really lining up pretty amazing. The triumphal entry. Jesus never allowed celebrations like this in his three years of ministry. Every time somebody wanted to celebrate him, he'd quiet them down. Every time they wanted to crown him king, he would, he would skid out all out of the crowd. He'd be like, he'd be like David Blaine and out. He'd be like, I'm disappearing. I mean, he was always trying, he'd, he'd tell people after he healed them, don't tell anybody. Of course, they tell people. Because he knew his time was, he told his mom, it's not ready. I'm not ready yet. I can't be doing all this water wine thing. He, he was always trying to quiet it down. This was the one time now where everybody shouted his name, shouted Hosanna, and here he is riding in on a lowly colt. Now, the interesting thing about it is Jesus knew that their cries and their accolades and their cheers would turn to crucify him in just a few short days. Imagine that. Many of us, we, 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 we live for the accolades, right? We live for the likes, for the follows. Like, like, like we love it when people love us. Jesus knew that every one of their, their accolades was going to be turned on him. 
Imagine that riding in, riding in and knowing that every one of them that was shouting Hosanna knew that every one of them would be shouting crucify, crucify. When they shouted Hosanna, that word means save now. They're crying out, save us now. You can imagine what that must have felt like if we put our, 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 our Put it in our today's terms, we would be in Ukraine crying out for salvation. Somebody help us. Many of you know we, we support a church there in Anya, and she's been giving updates. I've been watching it. She's been sending me photos and pictures of things that are going on. And literally, they are outside of their city. They're hearing rockets launch, tanks. This is the kind of occupation that Rome had to the nth degree. And the Jews were ready. Save us now. Hosanna. We need a Savior. Even the palms and the, and the coats that they dropped were significant. In 2 Kings 9.13, it's Elisha and King Jehu. And they're, they're representing this. When they laid down the garments, it was like a makeshift red carpet for Jesus. When they raised the palms and they, they worshipped him, this was a sign of victory. Our king has come. He's riding in. He's riding in like he was prophesied. But this didn't last long. The moment that Jesus didn't perform like the crowd told him is the moment they said crucify him. Now this is where I want to get you personal here tonight. Jesus knew exactly, and here's the thing, you know, it's funny when I think about the disciples now, I'm not trying to throw shade on the disciples because I think I'll probably be the same way. Many of us, we give, we give the disciples a hard time, but you know, we'd be doing the same thing. Jesus talked to them all the time. In fact, he said this in Mark 10, 33 to 34, he says the son of man, he's prophesying about himself. I don't know if the disciples weren't paying attention. Maybe they were on their phones. I don't know what they weren't doing, but they weren't paying attention because he says the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, and they will spit on him, and they will flog him, and they will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. Jesus said it to them. Now, they hard-headed. Because after, they got, after he was crucified and buried, they started panicking. What are we going to do? All you had to do was count backwards from three. He already told you. Just go. We got two more days. We got one more sleeps. We got no more sleeps. He's coming. Come on. No, some of you parents know what I'm talking about. He's coming. He's coming. But they forgot. They ran in fear. They hid in fear. It's amazing what we can do on Sunday and how we can twist it on Monday. It's amazing how we can worship him on Sunday, but on Friday we crying out, where are you, Jesus? See, I, I, I take these things personal. Like I look into it, I study the history, I try to figure out what is happening at the time. My, my family, my wife and my dad, we, we were there. My brother, we were on the streets where Jesus would have walked in. I was coming down the road where he would have been prophesied as the risen king. And I put myself in that situation. And I said, oh, I would never have done what the crowd done. I wouldn't know. How many know that sometimes we do what we think we never would do? Because when times get hard, we get scared. We get, we get scared. We, we, we try to run in fear. And as soon as they saw him start to do something they didn't like him to do, they turned on him. And there's something hidden in verse 11. I found this, and it blew me away. I can never read this story without reading this verse 11. It says, and he, Jesus, entered Jerusalem, and he went into the temple. Look at this. Look at this. He went into the temple. He went to the church service. It said, and when he had looked around at everything, it was already late. He went to Bethany with his 12. That's profound. Let me, let me, let me, let me break that open just a little bit. Because just a few short verses later, in verse 17, he starts kicking over tables. 
in the church. He starts get, ripping out worship leaders' microphones and ear packs. He starts getting angry. And we love this. We think, well, that's righteous anger, Jesus. No, 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 no. You don't understand what's happening. He's so brokenhearted because it says in verse 17, it says this. He tells the people in the temple, he said, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Can you imagine at this point, Jesus, all his disciples are saying, Jesus, can you tone it down a little bit? Like really, we got the whole crowd right here. Our likes are going up out the roof. People are following you all over, but you're going to keep saying things to keep shutting down the crowd. He wasn't interested in the approval of people. He was more interested in the sanctity of the house of God. See, Jesus is not interested in saying things that we need to or we want to hear, that you've been desiring to hear, but he's interested in speaking the truth. And when he came into the house of God, he saw the Jews ripping off the Gentiles. This whole thing was going on in the court of Gentiles. And if you know anything about Scripture, and those of you at South, you know this, the Gentiles were the ones far from God. The Jews were the ones like this. So the Jews were ripping off the lost. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You, you're doing it all wrong. All this time, all this time, Janine and Leon, all this time, Jesus is going, I'm dying for you. I'm dying for you. I'm dying for you. I'm risen for you. I'm saving you. I'm saving you. I'm healing you. By my stripes, you're going to be healed. The very people that turned on him, he had love for them. On the cross, being stabbed crucified, whipped, beaten, betrayed, denied. I'm doing this for you. Jesus is not who they thought he was. They wanted a general. He came as a rabbi. <laughs> they wanted a king. Guess what he came as? A servant. They wanted a famous celebrity. He came as a temple disruptor. <laughs> They wanted him to attack the Romans. Guess what he did? He attacked the Jews. He went after them. He said, you guys, come on now. You could do better than this. What I find with Jesus is he raises the standard. He sets a new level in the church. See, why am I saying this tonight? Because I believe I'm talking to a lot of church people here tonight. And I'm not talking to people that are far from God. Maybe you are far from God. Guess what? You came here at the right time. But if you're close to God, let me just say something. Don't ever forget what God has done for you. Don't ever, let me say it over, let me, let me say it again. Don't ever, don't ever forget what God has done for you. And even if you're like me and my wife, grew up in the church, tried to live a good life, we good, you know, we didn't shoot anybody like some of you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. If you shot somebody, raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding, okay. Okay, wow, somebody did, okay. Well, there's, there's a dunk tank for you. Jesus came to deliver us. Jesus is not Amazon Prime. You just don't get whatever you want from him overnight delivered. Jesus is not a genie that you can rub a bottle and he just pops out and gives you. See, I am part of the church that believes the full gospel, that God wants to bless me, but also, guess what? It's not my desires, it's his sovereignty. So that means even though my wife had twins and only one is alive, I believe right now that God is still sovereign. See, why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? Why are we living this? Because I want you to be a people. I want you to be a church. I want you to be followers of Christ that don't get shaken when things go bad. I don't want your belief system to be wrapped up in a political party or the inflation or, the, or your job status or whether or not you get the hot girl at the party. It isn't all about that. 
I can tell you from example that God has blessed me. He is a God that wants to bless his kids. He truly has, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His desire is that you would know the goodness of God in the land of the living. But on the same, on the same stance, I watch the news. I see the reports. I see the way the world's going. And I can't be shaken. Because even though he's a good God, he's still a God that wants to kick over tables in the church sometimes. Not because he hates us, but because he loves us. Listen, Jesus walks into the church. Jesus walks into the church. Jesus walks, if he walked into the church today, we'd all be going like this. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. You're so good. And then all of a sudden we remember, Jesus didn't answer my prayer like I prayed last night. Jesus, what is going on, man? Pomp. Jesus, let's talk, Jesus. Why didn't you answer the prayer that I prayed last night? Because Jesus is sovereign. Jesus, I'm just so thankful you're here, man. You, you know, you healed my brother, but, but you didn't heal my, my sister. What's going on, Jesus? See, these are real discussions, right? Because we believe Jesus heals people. We, we've seen too many miracles not to believe. But I've also seen my mom pass away from sickness. So how do I rationalize it? Because he's sovereign. See, that's a word we don't use in church very often. That means he could do whatever he wants. And I know that my mom is in a better place because she's fully made whole right now. We celebrated her birthday just a few days ago. And I called my dad up to remind him that I love you, dad, and, and, and mom is in a better place. See, what I want you to know is you can't look at the world and your circumstances and get your joy from it. You can't look at your bank account and try to read the final number, the final report, and go, okay, my joy. Okay, Jesus. No, no, no. That does not dictate your joy. Your joy does not come from answered prayers. Your joy comes from a risen Savior. He's already done it. If he don't do another thing, he's done more than enough. More than enough. He's more than enough. Come on now. I know I'm preaching to church. Listen. If these palms signify my dreams, my desires, my purposes, my future, my careers, my schooling, my finances, my health, then you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to take it out of my hand and I want to lay it at the feet of God. And I want him to walk all over it and say, this is mine now. Some of you are holding on so strongly to the things that you want from the Lord. And God says, let it go. Let it go. Because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a girl dad. I just went to Frozen right away. Why? Jesus, name of Jesus. Witches and warlocks. Get them out. Anyway. I want you to know that we have hope more than ever before. And I wanted to find all of our services together to preach to you tonight in this. That you have a hope that goes beyond whatever the CNN or Fox News or anyone ever is reporting. They can't report on the supernatural. They can't report on what's going on around this place right now. They can't tell you what the angelic activity is happening in this place. For some of you in this room right now, God is healing you because you're in the presence of God. It's nothing you can earn or do. It's to buy his stripes that you're healed. It's that full Holy Week experience. It's when he rode into town and everybody loved him. And when they got to Friday, everybody wanted him crucified. It was the same Jesus in the temple. It was the same Jesus on the donkey. It was the same Jesus on the cross. And it was the same Jesus coming out the tomb. That's who he is. He's alive and well. So today, tonight, this evening, we're celebrating something here. Because Jesus resurrects things. 
When we give it over to him, I'm telling you, we're, we're, we could give you testimonies upon testimonies upon testimonies of things we've laid at the feet of Jesus, and he blesses us even greater than what we can think or ask. Jesus, he's constantly redefining things, he's constantly recreating things, and he's constantly rebirthing things. So for some of you, you tired of life, good, because Jesus likes to change things. For some of you, you think you got it all figured out. Guess what? Jesus kicking over tables. He's the worst potluck person that you could ever find because he's kicking over tables. Some of you got that joke. Anyway, that's a church basement joke, potluck. Anyway, okay. Know your crowd. The reality is I'm so thankful that I'm learning Jesus in a deeper way than just some magic man that can do things for me when I need him. He's always in control. He's always on the throne. Even when he was on the cross, he was still good. He was still in control. You know why? Because he allowed himself to be put up there. See, don't get it twisted, Roman soldiers. You think you put him up there? Come on, Pharisees and Sadducees, you think you put him up there? Come on, Roman Caesars and all you officials, you think you put He allowed himself to go to the cross. He allowed himself to be buried in a tomb. He allowed himself to be wrapped in spices because he knew this is just going to get me fresh and clean because I'm going to be out of here in three days. He's not who we thought he is. Because every one of us in this room has a small mind of who he is. He's better than what you think. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.